Well, Kit. I'm naked. I mean, I was naked what? 30 minutes ago. <laughs> you are? I was. You were? Yeah. I just took a shower. It's normal. Oh, okay. That's what normal That That is do. a normal thing, but like, <laughs> the way you said it made it sound like it was a special occasion. I mean, is, is a shower not a special occasion? That's fair. You know what is a special occasion? What's that? The release of a no, new ah, the a release new, of a no, new, new mo new. the the release of a new moyu clock. What? It happened. It did. Yeah. I didn't just pay, like I predicted. I didn't pay attention on I on October thirty first. It totally happened. There's a new moyu clock, and I'm right about everything. What is it like a timer? No. <laughs> uh. They they installed a new clock in on, on in their factory. Uh, a new wall clock. There's a new clock in the factory. Uh-huh. Yeah, so as predicted, new MoU clock by the end of uh by the end of October. Mm-hmm. It happened. Uh incredible. I think, I think we can give me the point on that one. Okay. I, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll maybe we can more justifiably give it to you for the new Angstrom clock. Yeah, that like there is a new clock, so yeah. I, you know, I I had something there. <laughs> you just shouldn't have specified the brand clearly. That's true. Yeah, what what is that new Angstrom clock? I've seen Chris Tran posting about it on like Instagram and stuff, but yeah, I've I've heard it's it's uh it's in the works coming out fairly soon. the 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 main cool things about it is that the magnets are going to be internal and won't be like glued to the outside. Oh yeah. Um, which is nice because I can, I still like with my magnetic clock can't get used to the pins being protruding out more than they should be. So I'm excited about that. I think that's one of the big things. I think the other part is the, the, um, the case, like, I don't know if you know how a clock works, there's like a clear part of the case and the black inner part of the case. Yeah. It appears that this casing is all just one piece, which makes it a lot easier to, you know, like tweak your clock from what i understand and there'll actually be a way to tension the case hmm okay um other than like just throwing your clock at the wall or whatever <laughs> i mean so the inner the inner part of the clock did have a way to tension it mm-hmm. like there was a well it, i mean it didn't really tension it just there was a screw that you could slightly loosen for the inner the black inner part of the clock which you definitely want to keep a little bit loose to re- reduce some friction but the problem is just that, like, it doesn't... There's no spring with it. So... Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, it, do, it doesn't, like, have any give, basically. Well, hey, any improvement on clock is an improvement on clock. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, the only improvement on clock at this point is getting rid of clock. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'll take I'll take using not a not-garbage clock uh, over, yeah, it's, o- over it's using something. a garbage clock. Speaking of clock, there was a new Clock World Record since we last recorded. Truth. Uh, Yunhao Lu with another Clock World Record. I didn't write down the time here, but it was fast. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it like 4.6? Yeah, it was like slightly faster than it was before. Not a huge improvement. Uh, yeah, let me look it up. Oh, no, four 4.38. Okay, and what it used to be? I have no clue what clock world records are anymore apparently <laughs> uh just so far away from my skill level that i don't even care it was 443 before okay it's a bit of an improvement inching closer to remo- uh, clocks removal i mean better <laughs> records uh what? well when, when the world record hits 0.0 it's gonna self-destruct so uh. <laughs> i think that's how clocks work yeah <laughs> that's, that's why they installed that new moyu clock yeah, they didn't want the factory to blow up. Right, um, they, they had to they had to reset the clock. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, folks. Don't let your clocks hit zero. Um, <clears throat> Happy New Year! <laughs> there have been a lot of other world records, too, since we last recorded. Yes. Uh, if we had actually recorded, like, on a decent schedule, we wouldn't have got all of these this week, or yeah. this episode, so... If we did record on a decent schedule, though, my voice would have been shot, so... Yeah, <laughs> Good job on getting sick and delaying the recording. Yeah. Um, Go me. <laughs> um, so Graham Sickens went kind of crazy this past weekend with a f- like 50-something out of 60 and then a 59 out of 60 in the same competition. Well, he had, he had three results that would have all been world record by a, a mile. Oh, really? 
It was uh, his first world record was 57 out of 60. His second world record was 59 out of 60. Right. With 14 seconds to spare. And here's the funny part is that um, after that one, because Lauren's there and she manages the communications team. Yeah. She sent in like the picture to be posted for the 59 (laughs) out of 60 world record. Oh, yeah. And Graham's like, I'm about to make you look real stupid. (laughs) because <laughs> like it, uh, because it's all within the same round like 57 out of 60 would have been world record but it's not a world record anymore because it happened in the same round yeah yeah so 59 out of 60 was the new world record but it could have been 60 out of 60 on the third one <laughs> um or 59 out of 60 in a better time yeah and it almost happened <laughs> what did he get on the last one i didn't hear about that 58 out of 60 timed out okay but like it was we were we were looking because like the time was good was looking pretty decent for a while and he had only one bad cube Mm -hmm. but he forgot corners on one of his cubes and basically the the time ran out because he was sitting there with his cube trying to remember the corners okay yeah yeah um but yeah (laughs) so that's a new world record mean of three for multi-blind as well (laughs) oh easily yeah i mean he the world record mean of three points from that competition broke the old single world record by seven points wow yeah and i mean he's at 59 out of 60 now so he's got to start like upping the cube number probably soon right? yeah yeah he said he just didn't when i t- we were talking to him about how many he was going to attempt because when he got 57 out of 60 we were thinking like are you going to go higher than that and he's like mm-hmm. nah not not right now <laughs> uh probably just because he had been practicing 60 cube attempts as a late it's probably a good thing he didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it worked out to not change. But yeah, we're we're inching up on that sixty-nine out of sixty-nine. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is getting closer than I th- probably thought it would have been. Yeah, I, I, if you had told me when you made that prediction, if you had told me it was actually above fifty-five points, I would be <laughs> very surprised. <laughs> well, he, there's, I don't, I don't know if Graham has any uh, multi-blind comps left this year, but. We can change that. <laughs> you got You don't have much time left to change that. That's true. It takes like a, you have to submit like a month in advance competitions. Yeah, at least. So chop chop. Yeah, I got like seventeen days or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Happy New right. Year, comp. Yeah. Is there a New Year competition this year, <laughs> like there was last year? Oh, like the Welcome to Comp. Welcome yeah. to 2019. Um, yeah. No rip yeah that's uh, apparently they were trying to get something together but the the when they did it last year they had too small of a venue mm-hmm. and it was a pain so they wanted to try to find a bigger one but it's mm-hmm. very hard to find a venue that's large enough on new year's eve and is yeah <laughs> um that will let you do a rubik's cube competition till 4 a.m on new year's <laughs> uh so yeah, that's kind of the issue they're running into. <laughs> um, well, in other blind world record news, I think Stanley Chapel set some new four blind world record. Yeah, he beat it by like half a second or something. Yep. So. That'll just be our, our every episode Stanley Chapel update. Yeah. <laughs> that's his 12th world record of the year. Yeah. <laughs> he just... It's like he purposely... Like, I know he didn't actually, but it feels like he purposely, like isn't doing as well as he could just that he can break it a whole bunch of times uh, i doubt that he, he I, I know I, he's not but <laughs> um i mean he looked very i i didn't talk to him about his four blind because it was the very end of the comp and we had to go almost like once everything was over mm-hmm. and uh but um he looked disappointed in his world oh, record really? time yeah <laughs> so my guess is that there was some kind of pause in execution uh, so that'll keep going down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's it's not done. He's had several sub ones at home. Yeah. So wow. it's it's not over. It's far from over. Um, were there any other world records we missed? Hmm. Hmm. Can't think of anything important. Hmm. Yeah. I think we covered all the, the important events. Yeah. It must have been like a feet world record or something, if we forgot anything. Uh yeah, some some small event. Yeah. Uh it doesn't. T- it must be one of those like fast events that like little kids like. That. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe that too. I don't know. 
Hmm. Oh, hey, have you heard of this? Felix Zemdeges person? Yeah, what's it to you? It sounds like sounds like they did something. Oh, is that a, like a new up and comer or something? Yeah, I haven't heard that name before. Hmm. Interesting. What they do? Hmm. Uh, it's looking like a five point five three average in two by two, three by three. Oh, what? Oh, that's why I don't care. Three by three is a dumb event. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Felix set another 5.53 world record. Uh, not another 5.53 world record, another 3x3 world record. That is a 5.53. Uh, we're, do- we're doing cuboids in the WCA now, 5x5x3s. It's uh, great. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, I, I, I think that a lot of people, especially when Max, like, two years ago got his first 3x3 world record average, thought that, like, it's just a matter of time until Max passes Felix. Wait, wait, hold on. Max got a 3x3 three three world record average? He did two years ago. What? Do you Are you not paying attention? <laughs> Why do I not remember this? It was 6.39. Oh, I was there. I was at that competition. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, like, wasn't it in your, your backyard? <laughs> Uh, I remember now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I was trying to save until Andrew decided to be an idiot. Um, (laughs) For some reason, I thought that he was always really close, but hadn't actually gotten it yet. But no, he totally has. Uh, Wow. Let's all crowd around Max because he hasn't quite gotten there yet. Hooray. (laughs) I remember that time when everyone got really excited for Max not getting there quite yet. It was so long ago. I guess I had just like confused that with like a national record or something that he set. <laughs> oh, you idiot. Anyways, <laughs> so what I was trying to say is that I feel like when Max broke the world record average for the first time, everyone was just kind of on this like this idea that it was a matter of time until Max broke Felix's record. Especially when yeah. Felix got it back on that 5.97 average, which at the time people were like, whoa, that was good, maybe kind of lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then, Felix has just gone on to now break it three more times over two years. Yeah, I think that if you look at the results, though, Max has been consistently a bit better than Felix. Yes. Um, Felix has just been the one getting the world records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's totally true. And I think that to some extent, I think that's just because of the styles of turn of cubing that they do. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I, like if you imagine, like I think F- Felix knows maybe more about cubing. I don't I don't know this for sure, but the sense that I get is that Felix might be more knowledgeable, like algwise. Yeah, he knows a lot of tricks and uses a lot yes. of tricks. Where Max is more just like he turns faster. Yeah, and knows what he knows very well. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be more consistent than someone who tries to integrate a lot of different tricks. Yeah, I think that definitely is kind of borne out in their averages. Like, yeah. um, have you seen the reconstructions of this last one? Of this I haven't record? seen the actual reconstructions, no. Uh, most of the solves are pretty straightforward, but there's a couple in there that have some really cool tricks. Um, mm-hmm. And multi-slotting, X-crosses, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like one of them he cancels into... Uh, his OLL, he cancels like six moves or something with his OLL in his last slot. And so just like being able to recognize stuff like that is what allows Felix to get a lot of like really good single solves. And it's just a matter of him stringing together a few of those in the same average, I think. Yeah, so that's kind of, I think that is why world records may, or like, you know, your, your personal record in any event may not be the best measure of how good you are at that event. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just... Like, Max barely ever gets an average that's seven seconds. Like, and Felix doesn't get them often, but much more frequently than than Max does. So it's just like he's, he's, not that he's digging for luck, but I think that Felix is more prone to bad and good averages just because he tries to integrate more tricks than Max does. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. But um, I think I think head to head, you know, in a 
and obviously we got to see head to head between the two of them uh in australia yeah <laughs> max did beat felix but some other people beat both of them so yeah i don't i don't think that like a world championship setting is necessarily the best place to evaluate someone's skill at cubing it's their like skill at a very specific type of cubing which involves a lot of nerves management and stuff well and um, here's another thing that i about worlds is that like especially if you consider what the the stage was that year um where it was felix max everybody else way far behind if you make that final you are likely going to take more risky strategies i'd imagine like if you're if you're close enough that like if you get lucky you're in striking distance of winning like i would imagine you would take more risks it's kind of similar to what we've talked about before with like um like if you know you're the second best you should try to do something different from whoever's better than you yeah exactly just you could get lucky mm-hmm. yeah and i wonder if it makes me wonder if we take too many people to a world's final mm. in the current setting because you know you basically have 14 people you know clawing and scratching versus the two people that are you know expected to win yeah that's an interesting and, way to think of it and like are we basically throwing too many lottery tickets in to beat the best I don't know. This is probably a, a naive way of looking at it, too. When you actually look at World's results from this past year, the times were not good. So maybe, you know, if you assume nerves, maybe the actual strategy is to try to just go safe as you can mm-hmm. and hope that nerves kick in for other people. I don't know. I've never been in a World's Final. Well, I've been in a World's Clock Final, but I've not been <laughs> in a real World's Final. Um, wow, we're really dunking on Clock this episode. Uh- <laughs> I think that was more of a dunk on me, but sure, we can dunk on clock, too. <laughs> um, anyways, that aside, 5.53, um, seems, it feels like that's going to stand for a while, but who knows? I give it a month. <laughs> a month? <laughs> I, it just, you, you, it makes you just wonder, like, when, when is Felix too old for this? I don't know if, I mean, I guess there must be a time when someone actually gets too old for cubing, but I don't think Felix is going to be there for a while. Yeah, maybe so. I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm not just talking about like your brain getting slower sort of thing. I'm just more talking about you're getting older and you have more responsibilities and can't keep up rigorous practice. Yeah, uh, he actually, Laser Monkey did like a little interview with him. Mm -hmm. um, And Felix said like this, um, this past year, he hasn't really been cubing nearly as much. Apparently, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he said like last year he was practicing a ton because he was just like finishing up university and didn't have too too many classes. So he was kind of like a part time student, and then mm-hmm. the rest of his time was just spent cubing. Yeah. And now he's at like a job and stuff. Uh, and I think he said that he had like he had um, been done with whatever job he was doing for like three weeks so he had just been practicing a whole bunch before this competition so having time to practice definitely impacts results yes yeah i think i don't know that's 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 more what i mean but like is he too old like obviously i don't know when you hit like the 25 26 range it's like that's kind of when you start to notice that like you're not growing anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> and i can tell you from experience um and it, I don't know, it's just like there, there's there's got to be a point coming up soon where the that might that may taper off but um I'm more I'm more concerned just about that when you get to you know your early 20s is when you you know are working full-time jobs and have more responsibilities and can't put as much time into practicing yeah definitely yeah um but we'll see we'll see I kind of I kind of uh I have this thing I do in like in sports and in cubing. Uh, and everything like that, where I, I, I like to root for the people who are already the best, mostly just because I like seeing, like, statistics that are really, like, high numbers. Like, I like seeing that Felix has set, like, 150 world records or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to keep seeing that number getting higher. So I tend to root for the people who are already doing well. It's like, Tom Brady's won, like, five Super Bowls. I want to see, like, I want to see that number go up. I don't know. <laughs> Ugh, you're one of those. Well, I have no, I don't, I don't, I have like no team loyalty or anything in almost any sport. 
So I just care about seeing big numbers. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> um, I'll just say I like I, I I share an alma mater with Tom Brady, and I despise him. So, <laughs> uh, regardless, um, <laughs> that's that's an interesting personal choice, and I respect it as much as I can. <laughs> but I think in cubing, I do tend to agree with you that. Um, because cubing is, I guess, more of, like, an individual accomplishment, not so much a team accomplishment, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it is, like, it is fun to see people who are just so good at what they do. Yeah. I guess um, that, that's also kind of why I said, like, Tom Brady, not, like, the Patriots, because I don't care what the Patriots do. That's, like, an ethereal thing that changes every year. Mm-hmm. Uh but, like, Tom Brady specifically, I think, is a more interesting... But what Tom Brady does depends on his teammates. That's also true, yeah. What Felix does depends on him him and himself and nobody else. Uh, yeah, and the audience not taking flash photography. Right. Um. I mean, sure. <laughs> I wouldn't call that a team effort, though. I would. I think it is. All cubing is a team effort between <laughs> you and whoever's watching. <laughs> and whoever is distracting. Yeah, mostly your team do- like is a negative though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's keep going, Felix. He's only set like three world records this year or something. Uh, let's get those numbers I mean, up, bud. It's just just harder to break stuff now. That's true. I mean, when when uh, I mean, he's basically ha- like kind of given up the dominance on big cubes to max. Yeah, that's true. I think Felix probably has been focusing on three by three like with what practice time he has so that's that that probably has something to do with it yeah (laughs) um because i mean he just i think basically the only events he still holds a world record in is just three by three average i don't know (laughs) i I, it's it's we're not gonna see numerous world records from felix anymore we're just gonna see the big one Mm -hmm. unless something crazy happens but yeah I bet he could still do one-handed or something, right? Like, it's another 3x3 three three adjacent event. <laughs> Potentially. Although he's fifth in the world for one-hand average now. Yeah, I guess there are a lot of good one-handed solvers, like Ruers and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't rule that out, but I'm, I, I, I find that as likely as, you know, a big cube world record. To continue the discussion of, you know, 3x3 three three and stuff. Um, yeah, because that event doesn't suck. <laughs> I mean, uh, how about Sean Patrick Villanueva getting a 5.98 was it 3 mm-hmm. by 3 average with Rue I think that's right yeah uh, he's certainly coming up out of nowhere or well not really out of nowhere out of yeah out, out of <laughs> you could say somewhere. that a few months ago at Worlds but you can't say that anymore yeah uh, but I think he's definitely someone we're gonna have to be talking about a lot more in, in the near future yeah I mean uh, I'm yeah. I'm happy that there is finally somebody who does Rue that is pushing the leaderboards. Yeah, I mean, for so, a long time it looked like Kian was going to be uh, going to be doing that, but then I don't know, he's kind of dropped off. Yeah, for sure. I'm just I'm just sick of the people who argue that CFOP is better than Rue because the best people are using CFOP. It's yeah, like, yeah. That's a sample size issue. Uh, you're. It's like. You know, the, the whole idea of statistics is typically you want to understand, like, the center of a distribution of data. But we're mm-hmm. all about understanding the outliers of a distribution of data. Yeah. I mean, I think I think to some extent it makes sense. Um, yeah. Like, it's possible for there to be a method that's really hard to get good at, but once you do get good at it, you get really good at it. Like, mm-hmm. just theoretically speaking. So that's totally something yeah. that could exist. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to say that, like, just theoretically in terms of, like, when you co- when you have data, the more data, like, if you're comparing the CFOP group and the Rue group, <laughs> um, we care about the outliers, and if you have more just people in one group, you're going to have more outliers, yeah. naturally. Like, if, if, if a group is small, they're likely to have fewer outliers. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's... it's um, not that I think Rue is better than CFOP or CFOP is better than Rue. I don't think there's enough data to convince anyone one way or the other. What I do think, though, is that they are comparable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, given what we know, I don't think that we know which one is better. And it's 
to me, it's just nice to see someone who does use Rue that is pushing the top. Yeah. And I think he still has a lot of room to grow. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's interesting, too, because now the Philippines has two of the top ten. Oh, wow. Because of Leo. Yeah. Um, and they're both young. Yes. Very young. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, like, in five years. Mm-hmm. Where those two will go from where they're at right now. I mean, man, tough being number, like, you know, having a low six, you know, averaging mid to low six and not being the best in a, in a small country like the Philippines, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's good. It's good motivation, though. They have a oh for sure. They're like those two will ha- probably have each other to like work together and mm-hmm. practice. I don't. I don't Using like. I don't. I don't methods. know what's. Yeah, I don't know like <laughs> what their relationship is, but like they're in, they're on Instagram together a lot. Yeah, so. I, I gotta imagine. <laughs> I gotta imagine it's uh, it's helpful to have someone on on your level like that. Kind of like sure, yeah. kind of like Jay and Felix. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I know they learn a lot from each other and yeah, definitely. all that stuff. And, I mean, there's numerous examples of that in the U.S., too. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to, you can't obviously just look at people on the leaderboard and <laughs> say, like, oh, yeah, they're from the U.S., they must cube together all the time. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there are, though, just, just so many top-level cubers in the U.S. that uh, you see people pushing the, the limits of each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we got a trio of young kids in the Northwest uh, that are very fast at 3x3 three three and are also very young. Not quite as fast as uh, the Leo-Sean combo, but yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's it's interesting just to me because when I moved here, we really didn't have much of a community at all in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. So like in the Northwest, like Luke has been here for a while, but we also now have like uh, Max, uh, Xiao... Asher, uh, Samir, you know, we have so many up and coming cubers that are still very young. Yeah. Uh, and they're not quite on their level, but, um, as soon as they did start cubing, their improvement went just crazy fast (laughs) because they were pushing each other to improve. So I definitely think that has a huge effect on how quickly you improve (laughs) because you want to win your local and national comps. I mean, you can think of like... Philip and Sebastian Vire as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Great example of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah, be, being a twin is definitely one way to do it. So, Andrew, I had my third best FMC mean ever this past weekend. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, except I learned from that mean that I'm terrible at FMC. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, so, I don't, it's not like I missed optimal on my insertions or anything, but... um. So the two means I had this weekend were, I believe, 2667. Yes, 2667 and 2867. Okay. So it's a, overall, that's a pretty good weekend of FMC. Um, mm-hmm. Five out of six were sub-30s. Both means were sub-30 and, you know, were competitive at a comp with some pretty good FMCers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I got second in the first round and third in the third round. Here's the thing, though. Um, three of the solves, I had nothing. Like, literally nothing with ten minutes left. So the first two in that average were great. And in fact, my first my first attempt had my best skeleton of the entire weekend. What was it? It was 17 to 5 corners. Ooh, that's worse than I expected you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, that you're going to see where this is going to go. Uh, so, 70 to 5 corners, though, got me a 29. Okay. Um, my next attempt, all I could find was 19 to 4 corners, which is, like, okay. I'd say that's similar, yeah. Similar, it got a 26, though. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, so I was, you know, a decent start, 29, 26. Third solve, I thought, was just garbage. I wasn't finding anything on it. Any, it, Just nothing good was happening. Then I got to a Fatsun OLO in, like, the teens, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I did Fatsun, and it left uh, three corners. Okay. So I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. But I undid it. And I basically, in the middle of an FMC attempt, learned a new ALG for <laughs> Fatsun. Nice. And it what, skipped. What is it? What's your new ALG? <laughs> 
Uh, you do a sledge and then a U2 insert of the pair. Or maybe it's a hedge. Oh, hey. That does work. Yep. Nice. <laughs> yeah, just basically because uh, that case, the you know how in, when, when you have the uh, fat soon that skips, the two unori- and the two unoriented edges are part of like pairs yeah um for this case only one is part of a pair okay so what do you, you basically... do you just kind of like try orienting stuff and then see what happens yeah i just was like i'm gonna sledge that pair in to just screw around with things and i just realized oh that's a u2 ll skip now <laughs> wow yep <laughs> so i learned a new alg in the middle of fmc and it got me a 25 <laughs> well done Yep, so literally had nothing. I mean, I, I guess I had the three-corner finish by doing a fat soon. Um, I didn't actually ever count it, but I'm guessing it would have been, like, mid to low 20s. 30s? Close, cl- or no, for the for the three-corner skeleton. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Like, it, I think it would have been, like, 23 or 24 to 3. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but clearly that's better. Um, so, yeah, so that was round one. Round two... Scramble uh, 1 was just garbage for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people did well on it. Um, there was an African record set on that one with a 23. Oh, nice. Because um, we had someone, Timothy Lawrence from South Africa, mm-hmm. came to this comp. So flying a long way to get some FMC means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, the Scramble was awful for me. And I literally wrote down in the last 10 minutes... Just a safety 27 to 3 corners. Mm-hmm. Just to get something. Because it was early and I hate DNFing the first. Because yeah. I want to. Did have that a turn chance. into like a 29 or something? It was a 30, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, just complete crazy cancellations. Yeah. Um, so, that was great. Uh, <laughs> just, I was like, okay, well, at least I'm not dead. Then the next solve, I also couldn't find anything on it. <laughs> Like, I, again, no skeletons with 10 minutes to go. And out of nowhere, I find what I thought was 18 to J-perm. Ooh. Um, and the standard J-perm I use, and <laughs> I use the J-perm that is uh, anti-soon into Nicholas. But that's the J-perm I use. And basically, I, could, I, I, had to, I found the J-perm with like six minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I switched like four times. So I didn't have time to like throw put it together. Okay. <laughs> and actually look for a good place to insert a J perm or a cyclic shift of J perm. Yeah. I was just like, that's an eleven move J perm and it cancels two. Okay. <laughs> and I stared at it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I like transcribed optimal J, it would be ten canceling one. <laughs> so I was just like, good enough, turned it in. Mm-hmm. Um, turned out, though, that there was, like, a cross-NIS cancellation. Oh, okay. Like, but the last move of the skeleton was an F and the on inverse, an F2 on normal. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see that. <laughs> um, so it turned out that my, my, uh, insertion technically only canceled one. Oh, okay. And Optimal J would have also just canceled one. Yeah, so you missed one move there. I, yeah, I missed one move, but honestly, I was like, I'll take it, because I had nothing with mm-hmm. 10 minutes to go. And the last solve, I had a 29. I found a 24 to 3 corners in the first two minutes, wrote it down as safety, couldn't find anything else. That happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't know. And so I got 29 off that. So what's, so what's it, the part about you being bad? This all sounds pretty decent. Well, I, it just, to me, like... Basically, the first two solves went fine, in my opinion, because I found skeletons, like, multiple multiple ones on each. I picked my best one that I had, and I got decent results with them. The third, fourth, and fifth solves that I did at that competition, I felt went awful, and I got lucky to escape <laughs> them. Um, and they were, like, my, some of my best results, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the 30 was the worst one, but 25 and 27 were... Um, like my first and third best solve of the weekend mm-hmm. and it felt like it was my worst attempt <laughs> like both of them felt like my worst attempts mm, i see like i just w- was not finding anything i mean i just found escape routes that were lucky to come up yeah i don't it's weird just it, it was a weird weekend for me because i felt like i got good results with terrible performance hmm, i see yeah 
Well, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I feel like I have yeah, terrible I, performance a lot. I, the, the good results don't happen that often, though. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's like I feel very lucky <laughs> to get what I got that weekend. Um, I just don't. Yeah, I don't feel like I deserve the results that I got. That uh, kind of like, how do you feel about FMC after that competition? Because this kind of ties into something I've had in the notes for a while. I don't know. Like, it honestly, it just, to me, it feels like I haven't practiced in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, to me, it just felt like I was using very poor time management and just going down one rabbit hole for too long yeah. on a lot of those attempts. And I just, it to me, because I haven't had time to really do any practice solves, mm-hmm. it felt like I just hadn't had good discipline throughout all the attempts because I just like thought that I found one start that was clearly awesome and it just never went anywhere you see I don't know it, it makes me if I had time it kind of makes me want to practice more but at the same time it's also like look at me not practicing and doing well <laughs> yeah so I don't know because something I've been feeling recently with FMC is a little bit demotivated because I've had kind of a run of bad insertion luck like I've had some good insertion luck but it's usually been on solves that like the skeleton wasn't as good. That's been both in practice and in competition. I've had a lot of solves where I've had what I thought were really good skeletons that just didn't turn out. And that's been a little bit demotivating lately. But even though it's like, I should be happy that I'm finding those good skeletons, because just like like finding the skeletons, the part you have control over. Right. Um, But it's like, really, (laughs) the number of the solve at the end, whatever that number that's attached to it is. uh, That's Mm -hmm. what I... That's what, like, motivates me to practice more. So even if I do, like, a bad solve and get lucky, I find that I usually am more motivated to practice more than if I do, I do like, a what I, what I would be really happy with as, like, a good technical solve uh, that just doesn't turn out because of bad insertions. <clears throat> well, you're... Uh, so one thing that I noticed, too, um, and I think this might be associated with why you feel this way, like, for just as an example, like, I know this is small sample size, and by small sample size, I mean comparing one data point with one data point. Ooh, the um, smallest. <laughs> the smallest yes. sample size. Uh, but my, my first two attempts, 17 to 5 was with an EO start and had bad insertions. Mm-hmm. 19 to 4 was with a block start and had good insertions. Mm. Uh, and I've noticed this for me especially. It's super dramatic for me that um, whenever I find a skeleton from block starts the insertions are almost always one or two moves better i feel like that's true as well even though i don't i can't think of a great explanation for why that would be i mean the general reason for me is that i think that eo starts um shoehorn the kind of moves that come up um like you're just not gonna see like if you're doing a front back eo you're not gonna see f or b moves yeah which gives you like less and because corners the way corner algs work, you know, you want to have quarter turns more frequently than half turns. Mm-hmm. You just, I, I mean, you can cancel into half turns, but they're, it's harder to do that. Yes, I guess there's two things that kind of go into it. One, they're just a little bit worse in general because you're doing more half turns. Um, although I, I don't think that's a huge difference, but it can be. Um, I think the other thing is it might just be more kind of feast or famine with EO starts. Um, yeah. Like, if the moves that you're doing on those four faces, like, not F or B, if those moves yeah. that you're doing on those faces happen to be good for the corners you're solving, then you then can... Then you have tons of options. Yeah, then you have a lot of options because you have a lot of moves like that. Whereas if they're yeah. not, then you have no options, so... Right. Um, I, I think, too, though, is that EO solves tend to also have a lot of, two, like, two-gen parts of the skeleton. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... You just, you end up with, frequently, I mean, this isn't always how an EO solve goes, but I feel like it's common that when you start with EO, you eventually, like, one of the sub-steps that's common is getting to 2x2x3 two by two by in the direction of the EO. Yeah. So that you could 2-gen the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's a, I feel like that's a very common approach to EO starts, and 2-gen is just not very good for corner insertions. That's true. Whereas if you're doing, um, cause like what is good for corner insertions is having moves that are s- like, that's moves on opposite faces that sandwich a, a move that's adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. That's the best situation. Yeah. That's a lot easier to do with when, when you're block building. Yeah, exactly. Like you just end up doing more turns of varied faces throughout the solve. 
Um, and especially when you get opposite face turns separated by one move. Because that, that structure, like F prime, R, B prime or something, mm-hmm. that is a chance to cancel six moves if the corners are in the right spot. Yep. Um, and maybe more depending on what else is adjacent to it. But in, even if you don't cancel six, it also just gives you a lot of options in that moment. Because mm-hmm. like if you treat the R as the interchange move of the corner com, you now have F and B to do um, tr- the insertion with. Mm-hmm. Which just gives you tons of options to cancel four in that instance. Yeah. And that kind of stru- move structure, when you do EO starts, just doesn't come up as frequently. The only time it really comes up is in the moves to solve the EO. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's my take on why they're that much better on block starts. And I know for like just because you're a ZZ solver originally, that I know you are very heavy leaning on EO. Yeah, I'm super comfortable with EO for the right. block building part. I mean, like, when do you have FMC skeletons that are done with block starts first? How often do you uh, do that? I'd say maybe a quarter of the time, actually. I've been... Oh, okay, I've been, more than it, I thought. It, I, it used to be a lot less, but I've been getting better at being more, um... More, like, just taking advantage of whatever whatever is there rather than being super structured about the way I do FMC all the time. Um, mm-hmm. so I've, I've been doing block starts more often, uh, but I'm still definitely very heavy e- on EO. E- even on my block starts though, I often have EO very early in the solve. Um, yeah, so it yeah. might be like a, like build a square, then do EO or build a two by two by two, then do EO, mm-hmm. um, which I know. Yeah. That's something I've been trying to play around with more too. Cause I, um, especially when EO options are not great initially, mm-hmm. sometimes if you just do something to make a block to screw around with it and. You know, even if you have to play with a minor restriction of not b- breaking the block you just started. Yeah. Sometimes there's really good EOs. I remember that two of my three solves that I did uh, Nats 2018 when I got second, um, two of them were two like first step two by two, second step EO. Mm-hmm. And like two by two is super restricting for EO, but the edges were just in a good spot. Yeah, I think it's interesting though because it's, it's restricting, but at the same time, the edges inside your two by two are guaranteed to be oriented, right? So it also kind right. of brings all your unoriented edges into the same area area of the cube, which can be good. Depends on how yeah, many for there sure. Are. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think more commonly like doing square than EO is a little better. Yeah, just because you have much more freedom. Two faces are blocked at any given time, but it can change by moving the face of the the square. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely um, more freeing. Yeah. But at the same time, like, the the two edges of the square might not even be oriented. Yep. <laughs> so, depending on the angle you're looking at. Right. But, yeah. So, that's... I don't know. I don't know what to do with FMC. <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because, like, I think that to someone who doesn't understand FMC, they think it's such a skill-dependent, very little luck <laughs> event. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's, like, the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. The skill determines, like... The up like the ceiling for your luck basically yes and just the variability of luck in fmc is huge mm-hmm. i mean some because i mean to some extent you can imagine like me finding that 25 pll skip with an ol i didn't even know um <laughs> like you could call that skill in some way but i see that more as luck just running into a case that i happened to figure out yeah but at the same time, if you didn't have the skill, you wouldn't have even thought maybe to like try that sledgehammer or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's just try randomly sledging when I have an F2L done. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, uh, I think it's definitely one of the more luck-dependent events in the WCA, which is probably surprising to people who don't do FMC. So you found a new ALG recently. Um Yes. Well, I mean, it's an ALG that people knew about. It's a new ALG. It fits my story better. Uh, <laughs> um, so you knew a found it. You found... You knew a found ALG. You knew a found ALG recently. So you found a new ALG recently. Um, I, I think that your garbled sentence is more correct than the one you were trying to say. <laughs> That's true. Um uh- <laughs> When do you think we're going to stop finding new Alex? 
because people are still like finding new PLLs that are better than like other ones. And I just feel like, like that's just crazy to me. It feels like we should have that solved by now. I mean, the, the thing is that, um, with PLLs, like F perm, for example, um, like the F perm that a lot of people are playing with now is the one that I learned 10 years ago, but I didn't have good finger tricks for. Oh, really? Yes. It's like the what weird one with like a bunch of sledges in from different angles. Okay, I, I'm not familiar with that. Um, okay, and I I I was thinking recently of the new V perm that people are trying, and I just right. learned a new NB perm. Uh, but I, so here's the thing: is that I think that people knew or found these algs, but probably looked at them and said those are too hard to finger trick. Hmm. I think that what's changing right now is that. What we are considering finger trickable is a wider range of things now. Yeah, and yeah, I think that the like we have the development of three blind to thank for that. Oh, interesting. Because well, I mean, have you seen like how three blinders finger trick some of their their algs? Like, yeah, <laughs> people never wanted to do slice moves as part of like a PLL alg, especially like S moves. <laughs> but. I, like people are like using like algs with s moves over one, uh, like more standard ones in three blind all the time now because they're running they're timing themselves like to the, the ultra efficient level to find what is the best way to do it that's yeah that's a good point i it's just it's really interesting to me that that we can still optimize something like that that it seems like everybody should have been trying to optimize forever <laughs> like Right, yeah, I, it's because I think that ori- originally it was um, the optimization was to try to like reduce the alg to friendly turning faces, mm-hmm. which like short term is going to be most optimal, but there's probably something that's like for example to think of f perm, um, the f perm that we that I've always used is like this sledge r two sexy from one angle sexy from another angle alg basically okay. Um, and the way I executed it was like when I started learning it in 2009 was to, you know, do this sledge in the U layer, um, rotate, do a lefty sexy, do another rotation, do a righty sexy, and then do the last two moves. Um, and that was slow. It was super slow because I was doing all these stupid rotations. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but that same F perm is what a lot of people are bringing back now and doing like the D and F turns and stuff with Mm -hmm. it rather than rotating. So, um, I mean that alg that I use was what motivated someone to like find the R prime, U prime, F prime, uh, T perm alg, Mm -hmm. which is, which has been standard for a long time. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is it's super easy to learn as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, though, people are realizing that the F-perm that was deemed terrible, if you do it without rotations and do these crazy setups of your fingers for it, is faster because it's so much more move efficient mm. than the R-prime, U-prime, F-T-perm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, I think that we're looking at efficiency differently than we did several years ago. Interesting. So when do you think this will stop? Do you think, like, like how long... If you had to guess a year, like what year are we going to stop finding new optimizations for PLL? I, I think it's way out in the distance. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe not just, maybe, maybe uh, when you say PLL, I don't know. Um, yeah, PLL specifically, because I feel like... PLL is a small set. Yeah, that, that's part of why it's so surprising that it, like I've heard of like three new algorithms in the past few months, it feels like. Right. Uh, but like, for example, like uh, Brandon Harnish has been u- like he his one of his G perms that he learned used an S move in it. OK. And like he used that for a long time and was made fun of for using it all the time. <laughs> like we ragged on him because like, why are you using S moves? But I don't know. I haven't looked at that alg in a long time, but there's probably a lot of like G perms or um, I don't, that's the one that comes to mind, at least like that. There's probably G perms that might use slice turns like with S moves and stuff that we just kind of shrugged off in years past because we thought that was too bad to do. (laughs) But with new cubes and new hardware um, comes new new efficiencies for how you can turn them. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I think that 
I don't know if we're going to discover new algs. Like, I think that, though, what is going to happen more frequently is we're going to look at algs that we shrugged off as just bad in the past Mm -hmm. and give them another chance given new hardware. Interesting. That's So, I don't know. It's hard for me to put a time window on that because I think that um, this is still sort of an ongoing process with how fast cubing hardware has evolved in the past few years. Uh, but I think that cubing hardware is going to stabilize, for the most part, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it seems like to me. I just, I don't know. Like I, I for cubing hardware has been advancing so fast. There's been so many new things that come up, and it just seems like in the past year we haven't seen anything huge. Yeah, you know we've talked about uh like speed running before, but I feel like yeah. there's a lot of analogs there. Like there are a lot of speed running categories where it just keeps getting faster and faster, even though it seems like there's less to optimize. I feel like cubing is a little bit like that with these things where, like, because doing PLL is a lot like speedrunning. You're doing the same thing every time, right? There's no right. there's no creativity in doing a PLL. Um, yeah. I mean, what's different about cubing is that the hardware itself is changing, where in speedrunning, the game is still the game. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, there, the, there are things, though, with, yeah. like with these new PLL optimizations that I don't know if they necessarily wouldn't have worked on older hardware i think it's just that maybe people are experimenting more because they feel like like they can push it more or something yeah i agree what's interesting about speedrunning to me is that they also had times where like they found a trick but it required like too many frame perfect inputs or something and it wouldn't they just said this is not human optimal like we can get a task to do it yeah um and if you're not familiar basically we can program a computer to press the inputs at the exact moment to make it work but this is not like a human strategy um and then fast forward five or six years and humans are doing it yeah because like eventually you have to use those tiny optimizations right Um, and i guess there's also the factor of like doing something riskier in cubing might be more worth it now than it used to be because before you could get by without doing those risky things yeah, I think, though, that um, in speedrunning, they care more about records than we do, even. Yeah. Um, like, we we care at least somewhat about competitions. Like, there are no speedrunning competitions <laughs> where you do, like, an, an average of five Ocarina of Time. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, it, and speedrunning would look a lot different if that was the case, but it's just that one run takes so long that it's not sensible to really do that sort of thing mm-hmm. I, you do see a lot of like races which is basically a best of one competition i think what's different about running is just that they care so much more about the best possible time rather than consistent times mm-hmm. um that they're even i think even though the hardware isn't changing for speed running they're more likely to tr- push and push for risky strategies that makes sense because you only have to do it once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, and like you know, you because I mean, I, I, every trick you think of, like, what's the percentage of the time that the run dies because I fail this? And you know, there's so many of those gateways throughout a whole run. And if you look at the probability that you actually complete a run, completing all these tricks, it's so tiny. Mm-hmm. But these runners, you know, they go on, they go stream, and they'll do, you know. 100 plus run attempts every episode or not every episode <laughs> every uh every time they stream yeah. <laughs> like, this is a tv show yeah. <laughs> next um, week on yeah. speed running the same we do the thing. same thing we did this week <laughs> yeah i think that's what's a bit different about cubing and speed running but i think that um cubing is seeing more of the risky things come into play because the hardware is evolving okay and that just opens the door for what things that were once seen as risky to be less risky with better hardware i think that's a good take i hadn't considered it i thought it was just like people were for some reason just optimizing algs more but i didn't really have a good reason but i think the hardware is an interesting interesting perspective into it yeah that and just the the new wave of of uh micro optimizations yeah like that, Ishan really started. Yeah, Ishan and Gianfranco mostly, from what I understand. 
And now there's lots of people doing it in the blind scene, but they were those two to me were for, like in 2016 were really the ones that were pioneering like what was possible to finger trick. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's mm-hmm. also there's like there's so many algs now that could be optimized like this. Like it's going to be so long before anybody optimizes probably like like OLL is going to take way longer than PLL to fully optimize probably. Maybe, but at the same time there's a lot of cases for OLL that are clearly the best yeah but then you get into stuff like olcp like that's gonna be forever to optimize zbll we don't even have enough people that know zbll to have people that are going to optimize right but there are there are Um, certain cases though that like you can try to take advantage of that certainly could be optimized that are easy to recognize and stuff i think that 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 push is going to take a lot longer though just because i don't think people are going to spend time on a specific zb case because even if they do find an efficiency are they really going to convince others to use a slight minor efficiency on a case that barely shows up? Yeah. <laughs> Which will then be a very risky thing to do if it is like a minor efficiency upgrade for a risky out to execute that they maybe do once every 200 solves or something. That could be sort of a vector by which cubing gets better into the future, though. Um, yes. Where, like... Somebody might discover this alg, and not many people would implement it right now because they are like, if that's coming up in a solve, they're already going to be doing better than they would otherwise. So it's like, right. why learn this super specific thing? But if that alg is that's then fair. like, if everyone's like, yeah, this is better, but I'm still not going to use it, maybe the next time someone's like learning these cases, they're going to learn that better alg instead of the old one. Uh, so that, that provides a way for cubing to get better over time in, like, the long run. You know what it's time for? Uh-oh. It's time I for the... Hold on, it's coming. It's almost there. Uh... Hmm. My hands are getting a little uh, tired here. Can can we move this along? Okay, Martin Eggdell of the day! Yay! Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, since we last spoke, Martin Eggdell has competed quite a few times. uh, And probably done something of note. Hmm. Let's find out. Uh, he set a 5x5 five five single national record on October 5th or 6th. Uh, okay, okay, wait, this is October 17th, 20th. There we go, that's since our last episode. Uh, big news, Martin Eggdahl has set the 6x6 the six six average national record of 1 minute 44.54. Woo! Congratulations. Congrats. Is that the segment? Uh, Oh, seven by seven as well. Single and average. Wowzers. And three blind single. Wait, that's actually really good. 17.61. Why didn't I hear about that? That's actually a really good solve. That is very good. Although, I mean, it's two seconds off world records, so who cares at this point? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 11.98 one-handed average i'm just gonna give a nordic championship 2019 martin Eggdahl summary here uh so seems reasonable six by six sing uh six by six mean national record seven by seven single and mean national record uh blindfolded single national record one-handed average national record do you, do, you, do you want to take a stab as to what the world ranking is for that 1761 Ooh. uh I would guess fifth, tenth. Ooh, how yeah. many? How? How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I figured you'd be surprised at how high that is. <laughs> uh, well, so what four people did you imagine in front of seventeen sixty one? Jeff Park, Max Hilliard, Daniel Lin, Stanley Chapel. Okay. You guessed the current first, second, sixth, and seventh place results. Okay. 
Uh, the ones you didn't think were ahead of 1761 were Jack Kai. Okay, I should have thought of that. Uh, Jake Claussen. Okay. Tommy Cherry. That. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, I, that I, one's I, a little bit surprising to me. I haven't. Yeah, it's just because I haven't uh, heard much about him in blind. Yeah, no, he's been doing a lot of three style and practicing blind. Nice. Um, uh, Berta Garcia Para. Okay. Uh, Kaijin. Okay. I see. So those were the other uh, <laughs> that makes five sense. people. Man, there's a lot of people who are really good at blind. Yes. Like, yes. blind might have the mo- the highest, like, percentage or, or like, the big, largest number of people currently in contention for a world world record. I mean, yeah, because it really can come down to, did you get a, a great scramble? Yeah. I mean, Walker uh, recently got a 38 PB single in blind because <laughs> he got, like, a 7 alg scramble. Nice. Like, <laughs> or maybe even, like, it might have even been potentially 6 if you had done, like, the twists mm-hmm. in, a, in a smart way or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it he he got something so insanely dumb though, and it was at a competition in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So nobody else <laughs> uh, better than him got it. Nice. Um, well, yeah, that's been your so, Martin Agdal of the day. Would you say he's tenth in the world, or are there are ten better than him? He's tenth. Tenth in the world for blind yeah. single. Not <laughs> it's, bad. It's so crazy. Like I, I think a year ago that might have been a world record almost. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it would have been third in the world though, okay. or no fourth, fourth in the world a year ago. Yeah, well, still, it's very, very good. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, anyways, um, it's time for a bad prediction of the day. And I'm ready. With, with FMC Americas coming up this weekend, it's time Ooh. for a bad FMC Americas prediction. Okay, that's fun. I'll try to get this episode out by then. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so... My bad FMC Americas prediction of the day is that the winning FMC average will be 2667 or higher. Ooh. You have such little confidence in my abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't know. I think that, uh, I mean, honest, if you actually look at FMC, this isn't the worst prediction I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's honestly, that seems pretty unlikely. But do you know what the winning average was last year? Yes, I do. Or, well, it was 27-something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 27-33 I remember year. that because I could have easily won that, but I <laughs> DNF'd because I didn't write down my name. Right. <laughs> but that's not in the regs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that wouldn't DNF you anymore. So, I don't, like, I don't think this is the worst prediction in the world, but FMC has definitely improved in the past year. Yes. And also, so, that was that was like a... A weird result last year as well. I would have expected better oh, than that yeah. last year as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but what the hell? Let's just predict it again. All right. Um, <laughs> so let's see. You got what did you say? Twenty six point six seven. Yes, twenty six point six seven or higher will win FMC Americas. Yeah, I think we should review our uh, the other predictions that you've had. Yes, because we have some that have resolved. Yep. Yeah, so sixty nine oh sixty nine multi blind by the end of twenty nineteen. Uh, not there yet. Nope. But getting close. Colin Bird's no longer in the top one hundred on August twenty third, twenty twenty. That's a ways off. Thirty thousand competitors by the end of the year, ways off. Uh, and then we've got you. You said that the second place at the UK Championship will be sub six point two, and as an ungraded pick, you guessed that that would be Philip Wire. Wire. Yes. <laughs> um, the and I think that the person, yeah, I did get the person correct. Yeah, you did that. But the average was 7.2. Well, you were only one <laughs> second off, you know. Only a second off. In a lot of things, that would be really close. <laughs> like seven by seven? Yeah, uh, or just like, you know, in general, in life, many things, one second doesn't make a big difference. Uh, here it does. <laughs> yeah, Oh. You highlighted it red instead of just turning the text red in our notes, which made it look way more sinister. Um, Unfortunately. Let's see how I did. I predicted that Oscar Jones would get a sub-10 average. Um, let's, well, let's find see. In, Oscar Jones. In round one, you yeah. had an 1187 average. Oh, so close. And then, But that advanced him to round two, Ooh. where you had a 1209 average. Oh, I didn't get it. 
Nope. Uh, it appeared that there were 14 people with sub-10 averages in the first round and 17 people with sub-10 averages in the second round. Mm. So not too much room for improvement. Um, although if you wanted to... Oh, I don't know. This wasn't much of a dark horse, but the a new sub tenor at that comp got a 9.91 average, but uh, PR previously was 10.30. Mm. So not like a... <laughs> <laughs> out, out of nowhere yeah um there is also the question uh that i think everyone was wondering about which was the salmon savage rivalry um oh yes tom i've been wondering salmon got a 1205 in the first round tom savage got an 1142 so tom savage took the first round and in fact took the second round as well with an 1136 versus Sa- uh, salmon's 1201 and that was enough for Tom Savage to get to the semifinal, where he got an 11.31 average, yeah. whereas Tom Salmon did not even make the semifinal, unfortunately. Wow. Tom cleaned up. Yeah. <laughs> Good Congratulations to Tom Savage for um, becoming the new Salmon Savage champion. Um, we'll follow up on that in the future. <laughs> Man. Uh, you know, it's a great job by Tom. Better luck next time to Tom. <laughs> wait hold on what oh <laughs> i got confused looking at the results because uh tom salmon uh in the first round of three blind got a dnf uh three blind average mean or th- mm-hmm. just on every solve and i was looking at it and i thought it and it said his like it said number as in like the placement in the competition mm-hmm. where he came 39th but I thought that was his result. And I was like, why is it just 39 with no decimal places? Yeah. I could not figure it out. <laughs> That's how rankings work. <laughs> I was like, is this multi-blend? I just realized, um, because I said I was naked at the beginning of the podcast, we didn't like even say that this is the layer by layer oh. podcast, <laughs> let alone do any of this intro stuff. We'll do it now at the end. We'll do it at the end. This Welcome. Is the... <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Layer by Layer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is Kit, and we're gonna take you. We're, have taken you through <laughs> all you need to know in cubing. Hi, I'm Kit Clement. Uh, <laughs> clock should be removed from the WCA. I'm a senior delegate, and I approve this message. Uh, wow, we're really ribbing on <laughs> clock a lot this episode. <laughs> uh, this was recorded on Wednesday, November 13th. You can discuss the show on Reddit, the URL that is definitely the same thing I say every episode. R-E-Y-A-L-Y-B. R-E-Y-A-L slash R slash M-O-C dot T-I-D-D-E-R slash slash colon S-P-T-T-H. If you can decode this secret <laughs> message with a very advanced encryption method, you can find our subreddit. <laughs> you know, I feel really dumb for not figuring out what it was. <laughs> For all until like I sat there and realized <laughs> what you had done, <laughs> I feel very dumb for not figuring that out sooner. Um, yeah, and uh, Sarah made our logo. It was cool. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. Yep. Okay. Bye. Good night. <laughs>